0: The following is recorded for Marine Creek Church. If you have any questions, feel free to visit our website at www.marinecreekchurch.com. We hope you enjoy this message. Morning. Welcome to the creek. How are we? Hey, uh, I just want to do a little public service announcement, but then uh, get into some prayer real quick before we get into the word of God. Uh, This is flu season and uh we've seen the news and this just this is a tough flu season and you know let me just encourage you to wash your hands and i know we're a hugging church but if you're sick please let us know um so we can <laughs> refrain um if you've got the sniffles or something i don't know if you've got i don't know what you might have um but uh also you know we've got uh several people in our church family that are impacted with the flu and sickness and it's just you know, I just want to spend some time praying about that because just as we sang uh, Jesus through the cross overcame death in the grave, um, and when he said it is done, it is done. The reconciliation, he can, He's the, has power over sickness, death, everything. So I just want to pray for our church family, uh, for those that are dealing with and wrestling with some sickness, and let's just pray for the great healer, our God, to uh, to just free that up. So Father, we love you. We know you love us. You showed that with the cross. Uh, we know that you have power. You showed that with the resurrection. And so, Father, we submit ourselves to you, to the foot of the cross this morning. We humble ourselves and let you know that we love you. We, we glorify you just as your glory fills the highest place. It also fills the lowest place. And we thank you that your glory fills this place. We come to you right now, and, Father, we lift up our brothers and sisters that are wrestling with sickness, families that are, are, are dealing with this, um, Father, families that have lost, uh, we know that uh, people in our church are dealing with mourning um, from losing family to sickness. And Father, we just pray right now for you to just release that. We pray that you heal. Uh, We pray that you work in the ways that you know uh, how to work best, Uh, whether that be through doctors, whether that be through just your touch on someone's body that can, can drive sickness away. Father, I pray that you just bring health to our church family. I pray that you um, not only prepare us for the works you have equipped us for and called us to do, but I pray right now in this moment that you just bring a rest and just a a health to the the souls and the bodies of our church family. We love you. We praise you. We thank you for the power of the, the cross and the resurrection that allows us to come to you and say, Father, help us, heal us, cleanse us, forgive us. Lord, as we approach your word this morning, Um, I pray that you give us clean hands and clean hearts. Open our minds to hear and receive what you've prepared for us. We love you so much and pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Pastor Matt, I love you guys. Thank you guys for being here. If this is your first time, there's a guest card in that worship guide. Um, If you'll fill that out to the level of your comfort, we would love to get some information to you. Also, we're asking just, you know, we're doing a group thing. We're asking everyone in our church uh, to fill that out again this year. If you filled it out last week, you don't have to do it again. So we're just trying to get updated information, uh, whether email addresses have changed, phone numbers have changed, uh, if you've moved, if anything that has changed, uh, let us know. We're we're in the process of getting the giving statements out for the 2013 giving statements, and we'd love to get those to the correct address so you get the proper credit on your tax returns. Um, and then also, not just for that, but there are things that happen at the creek that we would love to communicate uh, to you about, and so we would love that opportunity to have that dialogue. Thank you for trusting us with that information. We protect that. We don't do anything uh, dangerous with that. It is safe, and uh, uh, we just use that for church communication. Um, and by doing that, we'll put you on a church mailing list, and you can get that. If you don't want to hear from us, you can unsubscribe, or if you put on your card, please do not add me to the church mailing list, and we'll do that, but it's just so we can get communication to you in some way, shape, or fashion. So on your way out, you can put those in the giving stations. We have those outside of the video cafe or video worship center and out on the way out, and thank you for that. Thank you for your obedience and your, your just dedication to what God's doing. I'm so excited to be on this journey with you. And uh, we're going to be in Acts chapter uh, 20 today. Um, I thought we were going to finish it, but um, I got a little convicted after last week's teaching with Paul doing an all-night message, and I didn't think I could pull that one off today. So uh, we're actually going to take two more weeks to finish uh, Acts chapter 20. And so... Uh, uh, if you have your Bible, meet me there. If you don't have your Bible, we have some on the ends of the rows. You can take that. If you don't own one, put your name in it. That's our gift to you. Happy Sunday. And uh, have you have access to the Word of God. The thing I love about the Bible is that it, you can take these. it's free to it, it's not stealing, right? Because we're authorizing it. But I love that because it gives you some helpful things on, on a journey, whether you're beginning a relationship with Christ. Or you're you're maybe you're stagnated in a relationship with Christ. So take that 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 can help you. Also, you have a community of people around you that would love to help walk with you um, in those wrestles and struggles. So uh, last week when I was when we were teaching through um, the first part of Acts chapter twenty, I made a I made a, a reference to what we do in the core membership class and made a joke that it's the defining the relationship talk, and and. I want to expand on that today because we're going to look at some leadership expectations uh, for a pastor in the church, for leaders in the church. And, and let me let me just help you set the stage. You may think, well, I'm not a pastor and I'm not a leader. Um, God's goal is for you to lead people. Um, you someone follows you. Look around, take stock. Someone is following you, whether that's your kids, whether that's employees whether maybe you're leading, if you're a group leader, you're leading a group of people in the church. And, and here's what God's just, just helped me just put right between my eyes this week. The sheep are only as healthy as the shepherd. And so I want us to be healthy shepherds. And I want us to lock in and engage on some expectations that we can pull from scripture and understand and see a healthy relationship between the apostle Paul and the church at Ephesus. And we can start to look at, okay, are we this type of leader? We're, you know, we're not, Paul is not the standard the standard is Jesus, but Paul follows Jesus so closely that he says, I desire to look like him. I'm not the standard for the creek. I will let you down. I can let you down quicker than I can build you up, and that's just, uh, I'm sorry about that. My standard is Jesus. I've been, I've been wrestling with uh, spiritual growth and spiritual maturity, and I, I started feeling, and, and I'm, I'm going to confess this to you, I've been wrestling with physical growth too, and I've been taking this class, and, and I'm telling you, I really think it's probably um, just outside of the gates of hell um, because I, there are muscles in my body I didn't know I had. Um, and they wake me up in the middle of the night and go, hey, we're here, and we hurt. Um, but I, just, to, just to set the thing, the, the warm-ups of this class about kill me. Um, the other day we were jogging, and I'm watching these people jog past me and, and then lap me because we're in the gym. And I started thinking, man, why can't I do this? And I mean, God just kind of helped me. He said, just the same, in spiritual maturity and physical fitness, you don't base your growth on where they are. You base it, where are we? Where did we start and where are we now? And so my goal, my hope, my commitment to you as a pastor is for all of us, at, in December of 2014 to look back and say, I mean, I still may not be able to catch that person, but you know what? I have grown tremendously in my faith and in, and in my relationship with God and my relationship with other people. So let's start to to think through those, those goals. I love you and I love being your pastor and uh, I have incredible relationships and community here. I mean, it just overwhelms me when I think about the relationships that God has brought together through the creek, through the cross. And and I get to enjoy that. I can share everything with, with my church family, and I love that. I love the openness, I love the honesty, and I love being your pastor. And today we're going to look at a meeting with Paul, and uh, we're going to see how he and the elders of the church at Ephesus met and uh, talked about some some things in leadership. So Acts chapter 20, um, I'm going to start in verse 13, verse um, 13. And this is where where Paul, Luke is writing. Luke wrote the book of Acts. He says, we went on ahead to the ship and sailed for Asos, where we were going to take Paul aboard. He He had made this arrangement because he was going there on foot. When he met us at Asos, we took him aboard and went on to Mytilene. The next day, we set sail from there and arrived off of Chios. The day after that, we crossed over to Samos and on the following day arrived at Miletus, Paul had decided to sail past Ephesus to avoid spending time in the province of Asia, for he was in a hurry to reach Jerusalem, if possible, by the day of Pentecost. What's interesting that Paul didn't want to spend any more time in Asia, but remember when he was standing at the border, and he so longed to go into Asia, and we're told that the Spirit restrained him. And and so Paul is obedient to the restraint of the Spirit, and then later in a vision, a man from Macedonia calls and says, Come to us. And God opens up an incredible ministry in Ephesus. For three years, he was in Ephesus building the church, preaching the gospel. He got to declare the word of God to everyone in the province of Asia. And and so now he's saying, I don't need to go there." there. Just a little side note, obedience to God is paramount. There are things that we want to do that God may desire to give us in the due time. And if we try to push those, God said, what you want me to bless you with will end up being a curse. It'll be such a burden to you that it may kill you. And so be be faithful and be obedient to God. So when the Spirit says, no, don't do it, God may open up that for you later, or I can tell you, he may open up something else much better. From Miletus, Paul sent to Ephesus for the elders of the church. When they arrived, he said to them, you know how I lived the whole time I was with you. From the first day I came into the province of Asia. Okay, let me stop there. Um, Paul now is called for the church at Ephesus. So he didn't go into Asia. He didn't go into Ephesus. He lands at Miletus and he sends for the elders. He says, send the elders, bring the elders here. I want to meet with them. And so they send for him. And in verse 17, I I want to highlight, it says, Paul sent to Ephesus for the elders of the church. One thing that is interesting about leadership, and we see here that Paul knew this, Paul knew he was not the only one called to ministry. He had left the church at Ephesus in the charge of the elders. And he says, go get the elders. I want to hear about the ministry. One important thing that we've got to understand is pastors and leaders are not the only ones called to do this. If we have an it's it's all about me attitude, that's going to create a toxic environment. I'll I'll be honest with you. I, I can't do this without the people that God's brought to the creek. I make a joke, but there's absolute truth in it that, that this, this church, Heather and I, God chose us for, for his purposes to launch this church. But within a few weeks after launching this church, it had outgrown me. And God really put me in a situation of you have to develop leaders. What's interesting about 10 years later, Paul wrote a letter back to the church at Ephesus. It's our book of Ephesians. And in, and in chapter 4, he's writing to them, and he says, You know, God has given you gifts. And then he says, and you're to use these to equip the saints or equip the believers for the ministry God has called us to do. And so what we've got to realize is every one of us has been given a gift. What you need to understand is God has given you a spiritual gift, and you're here, God's brought you here, because there's a need that God wants to fill with your gift. And here's what you need to hear from me as as the shepherd or the pastor. I trust you. I trust you to use that gift to the glory of God and to the furthering of the gospel. It's important for us to understand we're not the only ones that can do this. If I still tried to lead this church the same way I did in the first month, there would probably, we might have fluctuated, but we would be about 40 to 45 people because that's about the maximum that I can impact. That's about the maximum you can impact. And those relationships aren't gonna enjoy a depth. It takes a team. God puts us together. See, the cross and the power of the resurrection established Jesus as the head of the church. It's also referred to as a body. The reason he refers to as a body is we are many parts that come into unity and the blood of Christ unites us for the mission. So we're not the only ones called to do this. Um, Let's go on, verse 18. And, And just by the way, we're just gonna hit this verse by verse by verse by verse. And if it takes us three weeks to get through chapter 20, um, just bear with me. I would much... God is really challenging me. Slow down. I want want content. I want quality, not quantity. Because here's the thing. Just like when I'm trying to jog and keep up with people, if I cut corners, I can keep up with people. But I'm cheating myself. And I'm going to tell you, God's challenging me this week. Don't cut the corners, Matt. Let's go all the way to the corner and make the turn. So even when it's hard, even when it's difficult. So verse 18, are you all right with that? Okay, good. Just want to make sure. When they arrived, excuse me, he said to them, you know how I lived the whole time I was with you from the first day I came into the province of Asia. So what Paul has with the elders at the church of Ephesus is an honest relationship. He says, you know how I live. They knew how Paul lived. Here's an interesting way to look at it. They knew Paul's wins and they knew his sins. They knew what he could excel at and they knew what he wrestled with. He knew his strengths and they knew his weaknesses. And the important, about that, important thing about that is there was enough relationship to know. Now, now they weren't best friends. They may not have been, been buddies that hung out every day, but there was a closeness in the relationship that they knew how he lived his life. They knew how to pray for him. They knew how to protect him for his weaknesses. They knew how to encourage him in his wins. And Paul knew this with them. See, a relationship has to go two ways. Not just knowing everything about Paul. Paul knew about the elders. And he knew how to set them up. He knew how to encourage them. He knew how to admonish them. He knew how to rebuke them. He knew how to correct them. He knew how to pray for them. And so when he left, he left the church at Ephesus with incredible strength Because of the relationship that he had. What he's saying, he's setting the stage here because he's saying, you know how I lived. I've been with you. You saw me. You understand that. The thing that I love about our church is the honesty. Even when it's a little uncomfortable. I love that we can be honest with each other because if we don't have that, if you think about it, if we can't be honest with each other, everything about our relationship is fashioned on a lie. And that's exactly what the enemy wants to work with. He said, if I can get you to put a foundation of lies, I can just build from that. And I love that we can be honest with each other. I love that I can share my struggle. I can share my sins with you. I can share my wins with you. And, and I have elders and I have people around me that, that man, they, they know the dark side of Matt. Yes, I have a dark side. Hey, I need Jesus too. I, I probably need Jesus more than anybody <laughs> But I love that I have that around me and that there's an honest relationship that they can see, they know how I live my life. And so Paul's going on, verse 19. I serve the Lord with great humility and with tears, although I was severely tested by the plots of the Jews. Paul is a humble leader. You know that you are humble when you can say how humble you are and other people recognize it, Right? It's interesting. If you read uh, about Moses, um, we see in Scripture that it was written of Moses. We like to say it was written of Moses. Moses was the most humble man that ever lived. Do you know who wrote that? Moses. (laughs) Now, he he had a backup. He could say, I was under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, man. I was writing what the Holy Spirit told me to write. Okay, but humility is an interesting thing. Humility is not beating yourself down. I, I, I see people that are wrestling with 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 pride, and, and I tend to wrestle with pride. I really do. Uh, I, not pride of like, look what I can do, but I I, I get proud of everything around me. And, and God helps me. God puts humblers in my way, like a, a fitness class. <laughs> you think you all that? Try to do this. <laughs> That's impossible, God. <laughs> The humility is not beating yourself down or searching for a compliment. You see, here's the thing: I, I, I'm not going to take myself too seriously, but I'm going to take my job very seriously. I will goof off, I will make I, I'm, I, the thing that I can make fun of the most is me. and I'm not going to take myself too seriously because I want to have fun. I want to have a good time. But let me tell you what I'm going to take very seriously. It is my job. I am called here not to be friends. I'm called to be your pastor, and I take that very seriously, and I'm going to do that with with every humility that I can ask God to pour out on me, because none of this is of me. I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough to lead people. I'm not charismatic enough to have the best, the, the most eloquent anything. This is who I am, and I'm comfortable with who I am. I know I am growing in the Lord and i'm working on myself but here's the thing i'm okay with who i am i'm not I'm, i don't have to fish for anything and and let me just tell you something in any leader and if you're a leader, let me tell you something this is vital this is key humility if 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 you have nothing else at the start, humility is key i mean we we read in uh in James in this verse uh it says, God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. That's James 4, 6. God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. So there's an opposition that comes from God when we're prideful. Now, Romans 8, 31 says this. If God is for us, who can be against us? Okay, let me, let me throw pride into the equation. If we're prideful, if God is against us, who can be for us? Humility is vital. Pride will kill a church. Our leaders, we sit down, we revisit this often. In our staff meetings, we're constantly talking about it. We're doing humility checkups. We're calling each other into check because pride will kill a church. We'll start to think, we did this. We accomplished. We had a great weekend. We had a great class. We had a great launch. We had a great this. We, 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 we. You hear that? We, 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 we. Or if you have a leader that, that takes all the credit, I did this. I did this. I, I, It's a problem when you start to hear all the I, 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 we, we, we. we, Whenever we have an event, and what we do every week with our team, our pastors and team, is we share the wins. What did you see God do in your ministry? Outside of what you have the ability to do, what did God do? So pride is key. Let's go on, verse 20. You know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but have taught you publicly and from house to house. Paul had a consistent message. And it's not just a consistent message in one environment. He says, I taught you from house to house. His message was consistent in every environment. It's not well. I need to. I need to have this message here. It's kind of like this. This, I don't think of high school. You know, remember in high school, you'd have different friend groups, and you're message with these friends, and you 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 would get pulled in here, and then you'd float with these friends. You know how it is. Those who weren't available to hang out on Friday, you want another, and say, so you might find yourself kind of being a chameleon. Maybe it's just me, but I I, I had I had such a desire. To fit in and for people to like me, that I would compromise the message, and I'm not talking about the gospel. I'm talking about I would compromise who I am. I mean, God, God was still I was still a work in progress at this point. I still am, but but I was much less uh, in a position of not hearing from God as much as I should have, and I would compromise who I am for people to like me. The thing about leaders, the message is consistent on every platform. Whether it be this platform, whether it be when we move and we're on a different platform as a creek. When I say a different platform as a creek, it's not me standing on a different platform. It's us as a church on a different platform for the ministry God has laid before us. For the thousands of people in Fort Worth, North Fort Worth, Saginaw, uh, Lake Worth, this whole area that God has put before us to go and get. That's a different platform. We don't compromise the message in that. We're going to speak the truth. We're going to speak in love, even when it hurts. Ah, scripture tells us that faithful are the wounds of a friend. I tell, I tell our leaders, and the way that you disciple people, the way that you can encourage people is you have to earn the right to go there. And the way you earn the right to go there is consistency. It's consistency in your message, it's consistency in your relationship with them, and it's consistency in your time with them. I mean, you, you come into this this room on Sundays, and, and you... in. A small way, open yourself up for me to uh, share the word of God and let the Holy Spirit discipline you and let God work on you. But for us to sit down and for me to say, these are some things that need to change based on the truth, based on the gospel, based on what God has done for you already and what God desires. These are things that need to be pruned in your life. These are areas of weakness. We've got to have a relationship to go there. But we've got to be consistent to build that relationship. Let me, let me tell you what I commit to you. I commit to be consistent. I'm going to preach. You're going to know more about Jesus, his death, burial, resurrection. And that power, then you will what I think about finances, what I think about a happy marriage, what I think about politics, what I think about... Any, you fill in the blank. You can put anything in the blank. The thing that I want to teach you more about is Jesus, who he is, the resurrection. I'm not going to do any growth gimmicks. It's not, hey, bring a friend and get a free Sunday. We're not going to do any growth gimmicks. This is not the way I'm going to roll. Here's what I believe is the growth strategy of the church, and it has been clear from the the days of the apostles when Jesus established it. When Jesus said, Peter, on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. From that moment, when the apostles go out, start building ministry, start pouring in with the gospel, with the apostle Paul, going into these provinces, going into areas, establishing churches, do you know what the growth model has been? Make Jesus clear and love people. And that's what we will be doing 10 years from now. 20, I hope to be preaching to you 40 years from now. I might, I might be screaming a little bit more because you know I hear you get a little bit grumpier. I'm just kidding. 40 years from now, what's the message? It's the gospel. It is Jesus. You see, I think we, we spend a lot of time on the periphery issues when, when our core is dead. If we spend time building a healthy core, and the only way that's healthy is Jesus, the cross of Christ, His blood, and the Holy Spirit filling our core. Then we'll work on the periphery issues. The biggest thing we got to do is the core. I'm learning that. My core, physically, is out of shape. I figured it'd be pretty strong from carrying this belly. I was wrong. That doesn't build... (laughs) core strength. i I found that out really quickly. So Paul's message was consistent. Verse 22, and now compelled, well, I'm sorry, let me go back. Uh, Let me finish verse 21 for you. Um, I have declared both Jews and Greeks to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus. That's the gospel. Then he goes on, and now compelled by the Spirit, I am going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. This is a tough one. Paul was willing to change the relationship for the sake of the vision of the church, or the vision of the kingdom in this case with Paul. Paul um, Let me let me just say it this way because some, uh, some of you may be wrestling with this in the past where you may be dealing with the hurt of a pastor that you trusted, uh, that you followed, that God called him away from the church. Um, there may be some things you need to deal with on forgiveness from that. Um, there may be some bitterness things. Um, but uh, maybe some of that bitterness, let's call it like this, Maybe some of that bitterness would come from um, a pastor saying, I'm here. God's called me here. And the opportunity to move may more money or a better position. Um, pastors aren't perfect. Uh, maybe some forgiveness needs to happen with that pastor. If, if that's the case, I don't know. But, but here's, here's the truth. Paul didn't leave the church of Ephesus after founding it and spending time in the province of Asia. He didn't leave the church of Ephesus for a better position. What did Paul say? The Holy Spirit's warning me that in every city, I face hardships. Paul didn't trade up. But what Paul was willing to do was change the relationship with the church for the sake of the vision. Now, here's what that means. Paul loved the church. There was an open and honest relationship with him. But Paul knew that God had called him to move on. And so the vision trumped the desire to just stay and be friends. Are you, are you tracking with that? We can get into situations where God is calling us on, but our desire to stay anchored in this relationship can, will end up not only killing the vision that God has given our lives and put in front of us for us to do kingdom work, but it can also end up becoming a toxic situation in the relationship. It, I call it the, the, um, the Jonah principle. Jonah was running from God. If God told Paul, you got to get moving, and he doesn't go. God told Jonah, go to Nineveh. He didn't go. He went the other way. Well, he's on a boat that encounters a storm, and everyone on the boat is in danger. When they finally figure out what's going on, Jonah's like, it's me. Now, here's here's the Jonah principle. If God has called you to go and you desire to stay you can potentially sink an entire ship and put lives in danger. God let Heather and I launch the creek, but we don't own the creek. God owns us. And I'm not setting you up for anything. I'm just saying our relationship will vary based on the vision of the church. I love you. I love hanging out with you. There are some people that I don't get to hang out with as much as I did two years ago, a year ago, three years ago. I wish I could. But the, the reality is God has called me to be a shepherd, and God sets the size of the flock. And I'm not desiring for God to give me this huge thing. I want God to grow us in a healthy way. And I love you, and I'm going to do everything I can to spend time with you. But the vision trumps us being best buddies. And Paul understood this. The elders, the church at Ephesus understood this because it's about kingdom work. It's about the gospel environment. It's about going forward with what God has called us to do. Our relationship is about the gospel. We are joined here in this room and in community because of the gospel. Let's let that drive The vision, let the gospel drive the vision. If our message is gonna be consistent and our message is the gospel, the gospel has to drive everything we do. We're not driven by our need to be together. We're driven by our need to bring people together with Jesus. Does that make sense? Uh, we, We understand that our common bond, every friend that I have, Every friend that I've had and every friend that I will have, every relationship that I've had, every relationship I will have and and have had, all those spectrums of things, there's some link that joins us. With Heather, it was a plate of chocolate-covered strawberries. But there's some link that joins us. The link that joins us together in this room and in this journey to go out and fight the gates of hell. To go into a community that is hurting, that is broken, that is lost. The link in that future relationship with those people, maybe sitting at home today wondering how they're going to make it through 2014 the connection will be Jesus. And that drives everything we do. I want to follow him so closely that I end up looking like him. We're in the playoff season of football and you see jerseys everywhere. and It's, it's interesting. What we follow, we end up looking like because we so desperately want to be associated with as a follower of blank. Whether it's the Cowboys, whether, you know, the Stars, the Rangers, the Mavericks. God help you if it's a team outside of the Metroplex. <laughs> and it's not just sports teams. Here, here's the thing. Pastors, I, should be an example for you to follow. And you will end up looking like me, not physically. Some of you are like, oh, dear Jesus, help me. Some of you are like, I'm not filling out that card, honey. This is our last eighth week. I mean spiritually. Because the health of the sheep is directly related to the health of the shepherd. And, and Paul said this in Philippians 4.9. He said, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me, or seen in me, put into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. Paul knew. He says, hey, what you've seen me do, do. Jesus said it in John 14 2. He said, I tell you the truth, if anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. When Jesus says, come follow me, he wants us to do what he has been doing. This whole thing, imitate Christ. Paul said, I imitate Christ, therefore imitate me. My hope as your pastor, my goal, don't put me on a pedestal for this because then we're both in trouble. My hope as your pastor is to have the ability to say to you, do the things that you've seen me do. Paul was able to say that to the church at Ephesus. We end up looking like who we follow and we're shaped and transformed by these qualities. Let me tell you something. I'm committed to that. The challenge is for you to commit to that. Because God has called every one of you to a leadership position. Leadership in your home, in your job, in your community, in this church. So let's be transformed by that truth, by that grace, so we follow him so closely, we look like him. And our character pours out because it is his character pouring into me. How do we how do we do that? It's what Paul said Verse 21, by turning to God in repentance and having faith in our Lord Jesus. That's the start. That's step one. That That's, for me, that's day one of stepping into the class and going, I'm here. I'm gonna do this. For some of y'all, that's coming to the foot of that cross and humbling yourself and saying, Jesus, I, 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 I've got a mess here. Redeem it. Reconcile it. Heal me, forgive me, and save me. And then it goes on from there. It's connecting with each other. Maybe you haven't been honest in your relationship. And I'm not calling for a time of confession, but be honest about your relationship. Lock in with a community of believers. You have people around you that love you, that want to help you grow, that will wrestle with you, that are committed to you. And then you set an example for someone else to follow. You see how that works? As we follow Jesus, he grows us. We continue to be followers. Good leaders are good followers. And that's how we're going to change this community. That's how we're going to change the world. Let's pray about that. Father, we love you. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for setting the perfect example to follow. And whenever I, God, I, I just, I and I, a moment of my own repentance, when I don't follow you, when I don't set that perfect example, when I don't follow you as I should, forgive me. Lord, as a shepherd that you have called before the creek, I ask you to forgive me of areas where I have not looked like you or acted like you or led the way you want to lead. Father, I pray for every one of us in this room. Maybe for the first time today, It's the realization that the things we've been following are the things we end up looking like are the things that are killing us. And maybe right now, in this moment, it's the turning and repenting. And I just pray that you give courage as we humble ourselves before you, your grace, your throne, this morning, and say, Jesus, forgive me. I'm tired of following the things that only lead to emptiness. I'm tired of following things that only lead to death. Heal me. Heal my core. Forgive me. Cleanse me. Make me your son. Make me your daughter so that I can follow you. Father, I pray that you give every one of us in this room the courage to submit ourselves to relationship that is linked through the gospel, through Jesus, so that we can be poured into. God, I pray that you give us a health so the relationships around us we can pour into. And I pray we continue to do that. I pray, Father, that for the lives that are sitting at home this morning, or in bed, or just wherever they're at, they're really in despair and hopelessness. I pray that we are the leaders you call to go get them. We love you, we thank you, and we pray that you help us to be good followers so we can be good leaders. We pray all this in the mighty, beautiful, wonderful, powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Marine Creek Church is located in Fort Worth, Texas. If you have any questions, feel free to visit our website at www.marinecreekchurch.com. Thank you.